This podcast is brought to you by Illuminate, the Lehigh Business Blog. To learn more, please visit us at business.lehigh.edu slash news. Welcome. I'm Jack Croft, host of the Illuminate podcast for Lehigh University's College of Business. Today is June 22nd, 2022, and we're talking with Zach Zachariah about the biggest threats facing the global supply chain for the third quarter of 2022 as reported in the latest Lehigh Business Supply Chain Risk Management Index. Dr. Zachariah is an Associate Professor of Supply Chain Management and Director of the Center for Supply Chain Research at Lehigh. The Lehigh Business Supply Chain Risk Management Index, or LRMI for short, was developed in 2020 by the Center for Supply Chain Research at Lehigh University and the Council of Supply Chain Management Professionals. Zach teaches graduate and undergraduate courses in supply chain operations management and logistics and transportation. Welcome back to the Illuminate podcast, Zach. Thank you. Now, the since we last talked in December, I guess it was, uh, the global supply chain has been disrupted by a seemingly unrelenting number of adverse and even devastating events going back to the global COVID-19 pandemic, more recently Russia's invasion of Ukraine, gas and oil prices soaring to new highs, energy shortages, labor shortages, inflation at the highest level in decades, and increasing examples of extreme weather events caused by climate change, just to name a few. So before we look in detail at the uh, latest LRMI results, I'd be curious to get your thoughts um, on a more global perspective on the current state of the supply chain. That's an excellent question, Jack. And actually, you know, any one of those things that you mentioned would have a significant impact on the supply chain, you know, from COVID-19 to um, high inflation to, you know, labor issues and, and obviously climate change issues. But I think the key factor is Russia's invasion of Ukraine, which has really sort of turned down the whole geopolitical system. So this is a huge issue, and and you can see the repercussions all throughout the supply chain. One of the things that it's kind of important to understand is, is that businesses in general prefer certainty. In other words, they like to know that if the shipment is late as early as possible so that they can plan for it. We tend to plan for the future. Whenever you have greater uncertainty, there is greater risk because now um, you don't know what is going to happen. You can't be prepared for it. Do you have enough inventory? You know, do you have enough staff? And, and all of those things really matter. So when we have the issues that are going on now, you have a lot of uncertainty in the environment, in sort of the business environment, and you can see some of the consequences. Now, Uh, I I don't know if if you read this, but Walmart and Target last week announced that they had too much inventory. And in a uh, normal situation, this this is extremely surprising because, um, you know, Walmart and Target over the years have perfected how much inventory they're going to carry. But this is what Russia's invasion of Ukraine has done. It has completely upended the way that these things work. And so what you have is, is that you have demand for product, but consumers willing to buy those products has decreased because there is a huge spike in inflation. 
And this is led to what is called the classic bullwhip effect. And the basic point of the, the bullwhip effect is, is that that is where you have, you know, initially high demand and not enough inventory. So therefore you order a lot of inventory, the demand cools off and now you have excess inventory. And uh, by definition, we talk about that as a bullwhip effect, because as you um, small changes in consumer demand have huge or increasing effects as you go further up the supply chain. So the bottom line is, is that in this economy right now, there's greater uncertainty and you're going to see companies have to adapt into this uncertain environment. And that's why we have some of the major issues that we're seeing in the index. Then turning to the latest report in the Lehigh Business Supply Chain Risk Management Index. And just to recap quickly up front, um, as we've discussed on previous podcasts, the risk index is a number between zero and 100, where greater than 50 suggests increased risk, 50 suggests the same risk, and less than 50 suggests decreased risk. Looking at the third quarter report that just came out, the overall average risk was 72.36, the second highest since you launched the index two years ago, and only slightly behind the first quarter of 2022. So what does that tell us and how concerned should we be? So remember, this is number as an average of 10 different supply chain risks. So this is a significant number because on average, what you're seeing is that out of all those 10 supply chain risks, supply chain managers think there has been a significant increase in the uh, in the economy as far as risk is concerned. And what is interesting is, is that this risk is greater than what people saw when COVID happened. So this is concerning, and this is something that businesses will have to take into account as they go forward. And the third quarter LRMI economic risk for the second time this year has set a new record for the highest risk index number we've seen in any category in any quarter in the two years you've been doing the index. In fact, economic risk tops the third quarter list at 90.72, the first time any category has risen above 90 so far. So let's take a closer look at that. To start, what what factors go into economic risk? So the economic risk um, index is asking supply chain managers about increasing energy costs, commodity price volatility, labor shortages, sudden demand shocks, global energy shortages, and border delays. And as you can just see with that listing, all of those areas in the economy have been significantly impacted with what's happened in the last quarter, with all the things that you talked about. So clearly, economic risk has significantly increased. What are the uh, main concerns regarding economic risk that you heard from the supply chain professionals participating in the index? I I think that the the real thing, and I think this is something that is not apparent, um, and and I think that that's really insightful, is, is that the economic risk is particularly high because demand is decreasing at the transportation level. And remember, transportation is always 
um, a leading indicator of what's happening in the economy. When the number of trucks, the demand for trucks goes down, then you know that um, the economy is slowing down because not as many factories are actually shipping product, not as many retailers are bringing in product. And here's an interesting statistic that just came out that a container price to ship from China to the US was 15,551 in April 18th. And two months later, it went to $9,177, a 40% drop. What clearly this means is that all the big container shippers, in this case, usually big box retailers, they're pulling back. They're cutting back on de demand. So what this means is, is, is that there is going to be a significant decrease in demand going forward. And as I mentioned earlier, there is going to be excess inventory. So, you know, you have the situation where you have too much inventory and not enough demand, then you are going to have um, significant decreases in prices as retailers start to try and unload that product. One of the things that supply chain professionals are talking about is that, for example, there is definitely a decrease in trucking demand. Um, they're seeing two kinds of things happening at the same time. You still have increased operational costs like labor costs, but reducing demand means that they're sort of going in opposite directions. And therefore, that really does increase the risk of you know, not being able to meet your payroll or have enough to make you know, break even. Because clearly raw material costs, lead time, those are all increasing, you know, and, and that's all a function of, uh, you know, the war in Ukraine that has an impact on fuel and material prices. So supply chain uh, managers throughout the survey, we're talking about the fact that, you know, you're going to have uh, inflation is very high. Um, the Ukraine conflict is, is significantly up, uh, impacting the supply chain across the entire world. And so as you continue to have this price volatility, you are going to have increased economic risk. And this is going to be a major problem in this upcoming quarter and maybe the quarter after that. Is that 90.72 index number uh, for economic risk as scary as it sounds? Absolutely. 90 is incredibly high. I never expected the number to ever reach that high, which essentially means that everybody who filled out the survey believes that there's increased economic risk because the number is just weighted. Uh, so, uh, you know, when average, when normal is 50, you're 40 points above normal. And, and remember, it's always comparative risk. The question asks, compared to this quarter, what is the upcoming risk for next quarter? And so clearly they're seeing even greater risk. So to me, 90 is significantly high. And, and I believe that people think that that risk is simply going to get worse. And as I went back through the previous LRMI reports, I noticed that this 90 is kind of the culmination, hopefully the culmination of a trend that's been ongoing, that in the first year you were doing it, the categories that topped the reports had index numbers in the 70s, which is now the average risk number uh, for the report. And a year ago, those leading risk index numbers started to push up into the mid and then the high 80s. And now we've seen economic risk top 90. So what does that trend tell us? Have things 
gotten that much worse? Well, I, I'm I'm not sure the word has gotten worse. Um, I would say that uh, instead, the data tells you there has been a significant increase in uncertainty. So when you have an increase in uncertainty, then there is greater risk. So you can't plan. You can't, you know, businesses can work if you know that the tax is going to be this much or the tariff is going to be this much or the demand is going to be, you know, this much or the the actual shipment lead time instead of it being 30 days is now 60 days. We can plan for it and then we can make, you know, adjustments accordingly. It's when you have volatility that you can't plan for. You know, do you have enough people working for you? That's when you have problems. And that's where businesses will continually face the risk of losing money, of not breaking even, of not being able to pay their their um, their workers. So clearly, um, you know, the it, it is it is that increased risk uh, has definitely been, in, um, you know, has been increasing. But. I don't necessarily know that it is worse. All we can say for sure is, is that risk has increased. Now, you had mentioned the role of transportation um, in discussing economic risk and transportation disruption risk, which is second in, this, in the list for the third quarter, has pretty consistently been near the top of the risk categories, along with economic risk, since you've been doing this. And in fact, in the previous quarter, the second quarter, uh, report transportation disruptions set the previous record for highest rating in any category at 89.5. And for this quarter, it's dipped a little to 85.86, which is obviously still very high. So what is included in the transportation disruption risk category? And what are the biggest threats supply chain professionals foresee there? The sample examples that we think of when we think of transportation risk is fuel prices, driver shortage, infrastructure conditions, and demand volatility. And clearly, you can see if you've driven up to the, you know, the gas pump uh, recently, clearly you can see the fuel prices have been increasing significantly. And there's always been a, a driver shortage, um, you know, in, in the over the truck or, you know, uh, the long-term truck hauling freight business. So, this is a significant threat. And then as far as supply chain professionals, you know that we get them to write comments uh, when they fill out these risks. And here's some sample quotes. Lead times and equipment costs have increased dramatically and parts are backordered, extending equipment downtime. International politics have ramped up, so transportation issues globally have increased in, in risk. Again, diesel prices are currently at record highs. You're going to have truckload markets beginning to loosen, but this means that as you as uh, demand looks like it's going to soften in less than less than truckload market as opposed to the full truckload market, driver issues, equipment issues, fuel issues are all major issues they're going to face in the remainder of 2022. So all of these suggest that transportation is still highly volatile, and companies are going to have a hard time predicting what to do, um, and therefore this is a, an area of high risk. Now, in the area of disruption in transportation, there have been a couple of topics that have been receiving extensive media coverage recently. One is the severe shortage of truck drivers, and the other is the looming move to self-driving trucks. 
if the industry views self-driving trucks as the future, it would seem to me at least that that would provide some additional motivation for current drivers to retire or change careers, um, kind of like getting out of vaudeville, you know, as the talkies were coming in and would make it even more difficult to attract the new drivers that we obviously need. Is that part of what's going on here? Well, um, I mean, l- let me be clear here. Truck driving or getting drivers for, for trucks has, has been a perennial po- problem since I've been doing transportation research from the late 1990s. We've always had that. And, and primarily, there are two or three things that could make the transportation job uh, more palatable. One is, is that we could figure out ways that truck drivers could actually come home. Um, you know, in other words, it's very possible to create a system where the truck driver drives, you know, five hours in one direction, drops his load and takes another load and drives five hours back. So they're back home. And you could have this idea of these trucks that are actually working in concert. There are some companies who have done really well with keeping their drivers because they make sure that by the second night, for example, the truck driver is at home. So they don't have any problem attracting drivers. The second thing is, is that, you know, ridiculous pay. Um, the, the salaries have been very, very low. And so comparatively, you know, when you have um, Walmart or Starbucks offering you, you know, $15, $16 or Amazon, $18 an hour, and then you have um, manufacturing companies at $21, $22 an hour, why would you want to go on the road for, you know, 20 days at a time before you ever make it back home. So those are all things that could definitely make transportation jobs more palatable. Now, the other idea about having self-driving trucks, the, the research, they've been doing very well. They have gone faster and faster, and now they have um, what we call fleets of trucks, where you could have an owner-operator truck driver at the very beginning, and the other two trucks could follow. And, and they've been doing these tests. But there's a lot of legal ramifications and things like this. So the people that I've talked to in the industry say that the possibility is there, but it's got to be in very, very, um, you know, limited capacity where it would be ideal, you know. Um, and so uh, perhaps in, you know, city to city where you're just in a highway, it's very clean. Um, these automated systems do run to issues as you increase the number of variables. So your your first point, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon as far as automated trucks. And the second point, yes, there is a, a truck driver shortage, but I think that's what the industry has sort of lent itself to. So I think that uh, I think that we can figure out ways to attract more drivers to the industry. Now, supplier risk um, has also been right up near the top in, in most of the reports in recent years. And it's the third category in the current report that tops 80 at 81.96. So what are some of the main factors that make up supplier risk? And what are the main threats suppliers are facing? According to the LRMI index, some of the things we're looking at is, you know, having a single or source, sole source supplier, having suppliers from one geographic locations, having quality issues with supplier, high price volatility, or counterfeit products. So this is, you know, um, is your supplier reliable? And so what's happened, though, is, is that uh, there has been an increase in lead time. And I'm sure 
many of you have actually seen that, hey, I want to get a particular product. And now, you know, you have lead times from based on the chip shortage that's going on to other factors, just having enough labor to actually be able to do that work. So having suppliers being able to provide the product you need has, has become, has always been a big issue. Lead times have been a, a big issue, you know, and uh, the fact, again, you have COVID issues that still get out there. So these are all factors that have, that affect it. And that's why supplier risk remains relatively high. Now, the single source supplier in particular would seem to um, be an example of what you've been talking about, which is the uncertainty that if you're relying on only one supplier as the source for a certain product, if anything goes wrong with that supplier, you're stuck. You can't get your product. Is that basically it? Absolutely. And, and you know, so it's rare for companies to what's called sole source. Um, you know, now it could be that you have a single supplier who has been, you know, gone through a lot of the approval and quality check processes so that you just can afford to just have one supplier. Um, you know, uh, Honda was very famous for reducing their number of suppliers down to three. Um, and this allowed suppliers to invest um, in, and make sure they knew that they're going to get uh, maybe a third of the of the demand that, that Honda would have. So sole source suppliers is a problem. Very, very few companies actually rely on sole source. They typically want to have you know, more than one supplier. What's interesting, though, in the supply chain is, is that people's started to have suppliers who are in the same geographical location. You know, so many were in coming out of China or out of Taiwan. And now when you ran into a problem, you know, or they're out of Japan, when you ran into, when you had that uh, tsunami that happened, well, it affected, it didn't matter that you had different suppliers, they're all in the same location. So it affected your, uh, you know, capability of being able to get your product. So those are all issues that, you know, that we face with suppliers. But again, I think it's, Russia's invasion of Ukraine that has sort of overshadowed made everything that much more risky. Now, you had mentioned the, the comments that the supply chain professionals make as they, they fill out the survey each quarter. And in this one, um, one of the comments really struck me of small to medium suppliers are in a more delicate spot and will be failing at a much higher rate. Um, what, what do you see as the, the prospects that that's going to be the case? I think there's a lot of validity in that statement. Basically, the smaller you are, the less economic strength that you're going to have. You know, uh, so Walmart and Target, Walmart is probably the single largest buyer of container ships or container capacity coming out of China. So they could make some significant decisions and they could, they you know, exert a huge pressure on their suppliers. The smaller you are as a supplier, the less likely that you are going to be able to get your product from your supplier is less likely you're going to meet your demand. And I think what that comment was specifically talking about, the fact is the smaller you get, the less uh, you are going to be able to, to meet the requirements of your customers. And so there's a chance that some of them are going to go bankrupt because they just cannot get the product available because their suppliers are also not able to get it. And if they don't have any economic leverage, suppliers that they have will only serve their larger customers. So this is a problem. All right. Now I'd like to touch on the other two categories that are, um, appear in the top five of this report. And as you had mentioned, there are 10 categories that are looked at for each of these quarterly reports. 
And those two are cybersecurity and data risk and government intervention risk, both of which are also pretty much mainstays toward the top of the uh, reports. Both of them are in the mid-70s. And interesting, both of those categories, as well as transportation disruption risk, were actually down slightly from the second quarter. And those were the only three categories on note out of the 10 where the risk index trended downward. So I'm wondering, is there is there any cause for optimism in that? <laughs> I, I'm looking for something here. <laughs> that that is excellent. So yeah, yes, it 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 has gone down a bit. I mean, you know, and from there I could say that um, before everyone was, you know, in in the first quarter, we were still worried about getting products. We still had huge container delays, you know, where you had a um, hundred ships waiting to get into Los Angeles. Now people are saying, okay, well, that's not that much of an issue because you don't have the demand that we were we were seeing. So that has become a bigger issue. So. I think what you've seen is, is that the, for example, transportation disruption went from 89 to 85, which is still very, very high. You had cybersecurity went from 79 to 76, and then you had government went from 76 to 74. So it, they did go down slightly. And I guess it is a sign of optimism compared to some of the others that all the other, you know, the other seven out of 10 increased. So Yes, I think that, again, more companies are aware of cybersecurity and they've gotten better at managing it. Um, everyone just sees this economic risk as, as so huge that, uh, and, and they're not necessarily seeing that the government is going to try and figure out something. So all of those risks have sort of gone down. All right, then as, as we look ahead to the third quarter, are there any other trends you've spotted in the latest R LRMI report that we should be aware of? Well, as I mentioned earlier about the fact, and, and it's it's shocking, the container demand price has gone down by 40% um, in the last two months. This really indicates that the big box retailers, the people who are constantly shipping in products, sees a real softening of demand in the economy. They're all predicting there's going to be a, a decrease in demand. People are going to become very concerned with inflation, and they're not going to buy as much product. In the U.S., economy has been saved by the consumer so many times. And I think that's a little bit scary. If, the, if everyone is predicting that consumer demand is going to go down, that's going to affect the entire economy. So there's a really good chance that we're going to be headed in for a recession, whether the feds can actually make that a soft landing. I don't know. But I think the overall thing that you have to think about is, is that if everybody's predicting that there is that much excess inventory, there's probably going to become some, some significant price cutting, and you're going to see some good sales, some significant discounts for products where for the last little while, we've just been seeing increasing prices and increasing product unavailability. And now you're going to be, see these products come in, and then they're going to sit there, and you're going to see some real movement to get those products out. So I think it might be worthwhile to hold off on some of your big purchases, because I do think that some of that pricing is going to come down. All right. That's, that's an almost optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we, that would be a good place for us to stop. Uh, I want to thank you again for being with us on Illuminate today. It's always a pleasure, Zach. Thanks so much, Jack. I, I really appreciate these opportunities that you give me to come and talk about the Lehigh Risk Management Index.
As director of the Center for Supply Chain Research at Lehigh, Zach Zachariah and the faculty and students at Lehigh Business are generating new ideas for education and future knowledge in the field of supply chain management. This podcast is brought to you by Illuminate, the Lehigh Business blog. To hear more podcasts featuring Lehigh Business thought leaders, please visit us at business.lehigh.edu news. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at Lehigh Business. This is Jack Croft, host of the Illuminate podcast. Thanks for listening.